Well, good evening and welcome again to Sunday night service here at the Moody Church. It's so great to have you worshiping with us online tonight. We're so glad that you've joined us tonight. We're finishing up our four-part series called Citizens of Heaven as we've kind of wrestled with and thought about what is a Christian's relationship to politics and what does God's word have to say to us in this election season in which we find ourselves. Well, I, one of the things that my wife and I love to do is we love to travel, to travel all over the country. And we've been blessed to have multiple opportunities over the years to travel internationally to other countries. And I love going, exploring just the beauty of other countries, exploring the food, the culture. Like there's just so many amazing things to learn and to experience when you're in a cultural setting different than your own. But there's always that kind of strange and warm feeling when you've been gone, whether that's just for a, maybe a short trip, a couple of days, or even several weeks at a time. And you come home, you land, for me, it's normally here in Chicago at O'Hare. You get out and you walk down these obscenely long hallways at the International Terminal and you kind of wind through the whole thing till you finally get up and you present your passport to the person and the, the agent opens it, looks at you, asks you a few questions and then they say two words that they don't say anywhere else as they slide your passport back to you. They say, welcome home, welcome home. You're back home, this is where you belong. This is where, for those of us who are US citizens, right? This is where our citizenship lies. And this is where our sense of home is even as much as we may enjoy being other places. Well, this idea of finding ourselves at home in a place is not just a concept that it comes to our identity here on earth as we are citizens of a given country. But it's a concept that, that Paul has given us in scripture that finds itself throughout all of the Bible. This idea that we are citizens of heaven, which is what this series is called, is not just some cute title, but it's coming straight from scripture. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul writes this, but our citizenship is in heaven. Where we belong, where our home truly is, is in heaven. And from it, we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. So as followers of Jesus Christ tonight, we are to be citizens of heaven. That is where our home is is. Now this has been, I think for lack of better words, we might say a crazy election season and it doesn't seem like it's going to end anytime too soon. Um, I, I have to tip my hat here because of travel schedules. I'm actually recording this message on Wednesday of this week. So the election today took place yesterday. So as of when I'm filming this today and recording the sermon, we don't know. We maybe have a little bit of an idea, but we don't know. And maybe Sunday night was this, as you're watching this service, maybe we still don't know who the next president is. And in what has been a crazy season and might be crazy for a long time, who knows how many longer, weeks, months, who knows what it will look like. Tonight, we're just going to look at scripture and be reminded of what 
what is true of our citizenship in heaven. Three reminders of our true citizenship. If we live into this truth that home is not here on earth as followers of Jesus, but home is in heaven with him. How does this help us in this political climate, in this season in which we are living today here? So three reminders of our true citizenship. The first is this, is that God is still our king. God is still our king. Now, throughout scripture, there are various images. There are various ways that God is seen and portrayed that kind of lean into who he is, right? But there's lots of passages that talk about God being a rock, right? This idea of being dependable and solid. There's passages of scripture that talk about God being a warrior, right? Someone who comes and who fights for his people. One of the most common images of God throughout scripture both Old and New Testament, is this image of God seated on a throne, of God himself seated on a throne. It says in Psalm chapter 47, for God is the king of all the earth. Sing praises with a psalm. God reigns over the nation. God sits on his holy throne. He is the king of the whole earth. He sits on his throne. The next passage says this in Psalm chapter 103, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom over all. Scripture is clear on this, that God is indeed the king, the king of the earth, the king over all things. And unlike political rulers of our season, whether that be here in our country, right? It's just a few years as a president, four or eight years, or even in countries where it could be longer, it's a very finite time that someone rules, that someone has their reign. But the reign of God, the rule of God as king over all things, all people, all the earth is not just for a finite time. His rule and reign extends forever. Psalm chapter 145 says this, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. Next passage says this in Exodus, simply put, I love this, the Lord will reign forever and ever. It's so, so short, but so powerful. The Lord will reign. He is king forever and ever. Ever. So I think getting this perspective as citizens of heaven, that we serve an heavenly king who rules on high, whose reign is now, always has been, and always will be, is such a helpful perspective in this season in which we find ourselves. See, it's helpful to remind ourselves in the scope of the history of all things that have existed, just how small and finite we are. And even the things that we experience now as a nation are. America itself is just a blip on the map of history, right? If if you've been able to travel in other places throughout the world, like I I know I've been in buildings before and as I've been reading about historical events that have occurred in them, I've realized this building is older than the country in which I live. Just literally the physical structure is older than the entire United States of America. We are a very short nation based on time in the world. And then when you start to think of eternity, 
not just the history of like the known kingdoms, but, but to put America in the context of history, it is so finite. It's just a tiny little blip on the map of God's reign over all things forever and ever. See, God is the king of all. He reigns forever and ever. And the picture of Jesus in, in Revelation chapter 19, this is the passage that describes Jesus returning on a white horse. And it says this of Jesus looking at eternity on his robe and on his thigh, he has his name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. See, the kingship, the reign of Jesus extends forever into eternity. He will be the king of kings forever. So as followers of Jesus, as citizens of heaven, our king, our ruler is not whoever's the next president. It's not our government officials. Our ruler that we look to is Jesus. And so he is the one to whom our allegiance and to our devotion is due. The goal of our lives as citizens of heaven, is to please our true king. It's to please Jesus. See, our lives are not measured based on what political party we have, not based on who we voted for, but our lives should be measured on, are we honoring the king of all kings, the king above all rulers and authorities and powers? And so as citizens of heaven, we need to reflect on this question. If, if our citizenship is in heaven, not on this earth, we should ask ourselves, do our lives reflect more of our citizenship being in heaven or are, do our lives look like we're a citizen here of this world? See, First Peter says that we are exiles and we're sojourners while we're here on the earth. Our home is somewhere else, but we're just here. So our lives need to reflect home, need to reflect Jesus more than they reflect where we live now. Another way you could phrase this question is this, are the values of my life more about Jesus or about America? Now, this isn't bashing the country in which we live. I'm proud of the country in which we live. I'm glad to be an American. But the values of our lives, if we're a citizen of heaven, should be much more about Jesus than any identity or value that is an American value. The values of Jesus trump and go above any American value value. See, there are some things about our world being Americans that are just true of our lives that we may value, but not realize these aren't necessarily Christian things. This idea of, of individualism, that you belong to you, no one else has bearing, you do whatever is right for you is an American value that doesn't have roots in scripture. Materialism is it a value that's, that's crept its way into our American values system to be, become materialistic and, and obsessed with what we own and our own personal rights and our private property. This doesn't have an idea in, in Jesus's value system goes against that. Or even this idea of nationalism, that somehow because we are born in a certain country makes us better than others, or, or we have some rights and privileges than others don't because of where we happen to be born on the globe. That has nothing to do with the values of Jesus. There's so many more that we could talk about, but I just want to challenge us tonight is this, as citizens of heaven who know that God is still our king, our lives need to be reflecting more of him and less of this world. So I've challenged us to think about our, our discourse, the way we talk, the way we approach politics should be much more informed by scripture, 
by Jesus than by the policies, the, the, the way that our world, the rhetoric, the culture of the world around us. We shouldn't stoop down to that, but we should let scripture inform our politics, not the other way around. So God is still our king as citizens of heaven. He still rules and reigns over all forever and ever. God is still our king. The second reminder tonight is this, is that God is still the one that we trust. God is still the one in whom we find our trust. No matter how crazy this world gets, no matter how polarizing and crazy this political climate is, our trust is on God and that should never have changed and it shouldn't change in the future. See, when you read through the Old Testament, there's this, this thing that happens over and over again throughout scripture that Israel is constantly kind of pulling its trust away from God and putting it on to other things. And one of the tempting things that, that always pulls the nation of Israel away from worshiping God is it's putting its trust in the political powers, often the political armies of other nations. That rather than looking to God to provision, it looks to other things that offer an illusion of power and of control. Often the, the same idea draws us away from God's day because of the power that politics has on display. But Psalm chapter 20 is a reminder to us. It says this, Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer from his holy heaven with the saving might of his right hand. Some trust in chariots. And some in horses, those were the weapons of modern warfare. Those were like the tanks, the aircraft carriers. Some put their trust in the military might of themselves or the other nations around them. But we trust in the name of the Lord, our God. They being those who trust in chariots and in horses collapse and fall. But we who trust in Jesus rise and stand upright. See, our trust shouldn't be and the things of this world, but should be looking to him. See, there's only one who you can place your trust in and not be disappointed. And it's certainly not a political party or candidate. Don't put your trust, all your hopes, all of your efforts, everything into a person or a platform or policies or a political party. It will let you down. People will always let you down. Things of this earth will always let you down. And scripture tells us, it warns us not to do this. In Psalm chapter 146, it says this, put not your trust in princes and the rulers of this world in a son of man in whom there is no salvation. Don't put your trust in someone like that. It won't last. It won't satisfy. It won't bring what you think it means. Don't look to politics for security. Don't look to a political leader for, for significance. Don't look to the things of this world for salvation. See, if you're looking for security, significance, and salvation in anything of this world, if that's where your trust is, you will be disappointed. Don't put your trust there. Psalm chapter 118 says this, it is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in 
princess, right? To, to rest, to, to trust in God above all things of this world, rather than to, to hope that the political rulers of those kingdoms will solve our problems. The next passage that we have in Psalm chapter 25, I love this. It says this, to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. Oh my God, in you, I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me. Indeed, no one who waits or no one whose hope or no one whose trust is in you shall be put to shame. See, when you put your trust, when you put your hopes in Jesus, you will not be put to shame. It will not disappoint you. See, if, if, you, if you think about the things that have disappointed you before, or maybe the way that you've disappointed others, you realize that we are fallen people. We're broken people in a broken world. And we cannot carry the weight of providing salvation, of significance, of security for someone else. And when we look to our broken political parties and our political leaders as maybe you want to support one or the other, there's nothing wrong about that. But to look to those for your value, for the significance in your life, to place your trust in them, to solve the problems that you see going on around you is ultimately empty. Now vote, yes, I hope you did. And, and, and we can still strive towards doing good and, and, and working with the political process, yes, to bring about change and to bring justice into this world and to have right things happen. Yes, we want to honor God more and we can use the political parties in that world to do it. But our trust is never that if we pass enough laws, if we get the right people in office, then all the world will be fixed. That's just an empty solution to a problem that politics cannot do. There's only one solution to the problems of this world. There's only one person in which we can trust and never be disappointed. And that's Jesus. He's the one in whom our trust is. And so as followers of Jesus, we need to grow in our trust in him in every single area of our lives. And I just want to challenge you tonight that if, if you're feeling anxiety, if, if you're feeling just a burden about what's going on tonight, ask God, God, help me to trust you more with this too. God, help, help me to trust this area more to you, that you would show yourself to be sufficient for every single area of my life. God is indeed the one in whom we place our trust. So God is the king over all the earth. God is the one in whom we place our trust. And our third reminder tonight is this, that God is still sovereign over all things. God is still sovereign over all things. So what, what do we mean when we use that word? It's a really good word that we use a lot at church, that, that God is sovereign. What, what does it mean that God is sovereign? The, the Westminster Confession of Faith puts it this way, that God from all eternity did by the most wise and holy counsel of his will freely and unchangeably ordain whatever comes to pass. See, the word sovereignty may not occur in your Bible very much, but the idea is there throughout scripture. Perhaps one of the clearest verses of the sovereignty of God is this in Isaiah chapter 46. In Isaiah chapter 46, it says this, Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. 
I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall not stand, got cut off there, I apologize. It says, and I will accomplish my purpose. Where God says, I will accomplish my purpose. That is the sovereignty of God. That God has a purpose for this world and he will accomplish, his will will be carried out in the world. That God is in control. Now we may think, okay, God's sovereignty, okay, that extends, sure, to like spiritual things, right? Because that's where God is involved, is in the spiritual. But, but is God really sovereign over all things? Is God sovereign over even the election of 2020 in the United States. Like it doesn't seem like there's a lot of control. It doesn't seem like God is really around much. Is God really over and above all of these things that are happening? Well, in Daniel chapter two, it offers us this perspective as Daniel prays to God. He, he says this, blessed be the name of God forever and ever to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons he removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. Yes, God is still in control even today. No matter how crazy this week has been, God is still in control. No matter how crazy this year has been outside of the political climate with everything that's gone on, yes, God is still in control. He is still sovereign over all things. Now we push back against this sometimes, right? Because it's hard for us to understand, right? So who elects the president? Does, does our vote matter? Well, yes. But is God in control? Well, yes, he is. Well, well which is it, right? Because it's hard, if not impossible for us to perfectly understand. But just because we cannot fully understand how God is sovereign over all things doesn't make it any less true, right? It still blows my mind every time I'm in an airplane that such a heavy machine can take off from the ground and fly 30,000 feet up in the air. I can't explain it. I don't understand it. Maybe someone else can, but I don't understand it. But just because I don't completely understand it doesn't make it not true because it's right there. And just if we struggle to understand that God is sovereign in control over all things, even if that's hard for us to grasp, it's, it's impossible really for our minds to fully understand that. But it still is true that God is in control. See, God's sovereignty over all things is often underappreciated in the moment because so often we forget in the midst of chaos that God's in control and we only see it when we look back. Right? When we're in the middle of it, it's hard to see the sovereignty of God. And it's often only when we look back that we see it. Right? As we open up scripture, and you can read, if you've read your Bible before, or know the stories of scripture. It's easy to look at scripture and see a story like Joseph and know why he's being sold into slavery and see the sovereignty of God using that to save his people. You see King David being chased by Saul years after years after years or on, his, on his, the run for his life. But you see how God is using that. You see Israel being taken out from the land and exiled by four nations. But we know how God is using that. But in the moments of chaos, it's hard to recognize the sovereignty of God. 
So that's why we need to remind ourselves as we stand right here in this chaotic moment of history of our lives that we find ourselves, that God is still sovereign. He's in control. And we can rest in the sovereignty of God. We don't have to be anxious. We don't have to be consumed with worry. We don't live in fear of tomorrow or next election or what four years may bring because we can rest in the sovereignty of God. So take all your worry, all your anxiety, all your fear that's come up in this season and take it before the God who's in control of all things and give it to him. Because even in the midst of the chaos, God is still in control. He reigns over all. As John Newton, who was the, the English pastor, who's most famously known as the man who wrote the famous hymn, Amazing Grace, as he wrote once, there is one political maxim which comforts me. The Lord reigns. That God reigns. God is in control. And that comforts us in the midst of all that's going on around us. So in this world that we live in, we are to be citizens, not of this earth, but citizens of heaven. God is our king. God is the one in whom we trust. And God is still sovereign over all things. Our citizenship is in heaven, not on this earth. A little while ago, I was talking with someone who immigrated here from Eastern Europe into the United States and, and she became a citizen of the USA. And we were talking about it and she was sharing some of her story with me. And I found it fascinating in this and that the country in which she comes from, that when she declared and wanted to become a, a citizen here, she actually had to forfeit her citizenship of her original home country. See, there's some countries where you can have this thing called dual citizenship, right? You can be a citizen of this country, but you can also be a citizen of this country, right? It gives you more teams to cheer for at the Olympics if you want to cheer for this team or this team. You can kind of lean into either side. But you get as this dual citizenship, you're, you're home in both places, but she was sharing with me how she actually had to renounce and give up her citizenship back in her original country in which she was born to become a citizen of this country. And as I was reflecting on her sharing her experiences, I thought that is such a great picture of what it looks like as a follower of Jesus. That we were born citizens of this earth, slaves to the world. But when we followed Jesus, we renounced our citizenship to the world and we became citizens of heaven. And we are not dual citizens, but we belong to the kingdom of God. It is to him that we owe our allegiance. And when we become citizens of heaven, when we become followers of Jesus, our goal, our mission, our purpose is what our heavenly king says for us. Our goal in life is to make him known amongst the nations. It's to love God, to love people. The mission of our lives is to go and to make disciples of the whole earth. I want to challenge us to continue to live out what it means to be not a citizen of this earth, but a citizen of heaven. 
that our lives would not be so focused on the here and the now, but our values would come more in alignment with what our true King, our King Jesus has to say to us. That our lives would reflect much more of Jesus and much less of this world. That the goal of our lives would not be about making any country great, but making God's name great in the world in which we live. God, we do thank you that Jesus has come and through the salvation that we have in him, we are now citizens of heaven and he has brought us out of that kingdom and placed us into the kingdom of his son. God, may we grasp what it means that we belong to you and that this earth, this world is just the place that we're living and we're passing through, but our home is with you. God, we pray for this political climate in which we find ourselves. May we not be pulled into just this world, but may we keep our eyes on you as citizens of heaven. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.